Tracy Ellis Ross is now a diversity and inclusion advisor at Alta. This swimwear line is bringing us so much joy. And we're joined by Ahi Sosifo to discuss the Golden Globes and SAG Awards. It's February 4th, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Zach Stafford. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. Zach, I know that we're excited about a lot of things all the time. (laughs) It is a really, really good day for millennials because we just found out that Brandy Cinderella is coming to Disney+. Plus. Oh, Zach, this is a good day. I, Casey, I have have a few questions. Is it just the original Uh going to Disney+, Plus? are they rebooting? What's what's happening? No, it is what we watched. Okay. We will now be able to watch. And that's all I could ask for because the songs are amazing, the acting's amazing, the costumes are amazing, everything. If you do not know what we're talking about, what you should know most about this film is that it stars the late and great Whitney Houston at yes. her prime. I mean, she mm. was going through a lot at the time, but her singing, her acting, all on point. There's incredible behind-the-scenes footage of Whitney Houston mad at Brandy because she can't st- hit a note, she can't stay on key, anything. It is, for millennials, it's like our great Pandora's box of joy it, because it defined our childhood so much. So I'm just so excited. I'm so excited. It did. I, I do, I think it's not bold at all to say it's the best Cinderella. <laughs> yes, and you know, not to you know, not to go on too much about this, but I do believe it premiered on ABC primetime. So it was like everyone oh, in the world wow. could watch it. I think you, I, someone can fact check me if I'm wrong, but I do remember watching it on ABC. Uh, That's probably why it's so elusive because we saw it, we didn't like see it in theaters, buy it, et cetera, et cetera. It was television. It was not on theater. So anyway, it was the most accessible Cinderella ever put out. So we love it. Okay, so moving on, we have some more cool news. Tracy Ellis Ross, known for her performances in Blackish and Girlfriends, has a new gig as Ulta Beauty's diversity and inclusion advisor. Part of this move is to improve Ulta's stated goal of doubling the number of Black-owned brands available on their shelves by the end of the year. They're also putting real money behind that statement, with $4 million in marketing for those brands and $20 million towards a campaign to better reach customers of color and other underrepresented communities. Tracy is also no stranger to the beauty world. Not only is she a style icon, seriously, go check out her Instagram. She has her own hair care line pattern, which is targeted to curly and coily haired customers that sold through, you guessed it, Ulta. There we go. I love Tracy Ellis Ross. I'm, we're talking about everything I love so much. You know, I love Brandy. I love Whitney <laughs> Houston. I love Tracy Ellis Ross. I love her mother, Diana Ross. These are just yeah, all my yes. favorite black women. And we love to see them thriving and making, making their coins in their bags, as the kids say. Yeah. And also I do, it is really important to talk about that also is putting money into the marketing and the campaign because a lot of things that happen with diversity initiatives is you say, okay, we want things to be more diverse, but they don't put money behind it. And then it just flounders and they're not set up for success. So hopefully this is one step forward towards actually getting success for this project. You know, Casey, one day we'll have drinks and I'll be shady about this idea of giving black people opportunity, but not putting money behind them and not helping them uh, succeed. But, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to take my black career somewhere else into a new story. That we have here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So meanwhile, I want to talk about something that's really heartwarming. Today's just been so good. I'm really happy about this. And this story is about 11-year-old Ruby and her father, Jamie Alexander, who created a swimmer line specifically for trans and non-binary kids. The bikini bottoms came from a need from Ruby. She participated in sports like swimming and gymnastics, which required form-fitting clothes, and she simply wanted to wear clothing similar to her girlfriend's. 
Her father, Jamie, noted that, quote, in some cases, it seemed she wouldn't be able to do so safely until I started exploring options for trans girls. I discovered there are few places where you can buy bikinis and underwear geared toward trans people. Ruby has tried a few with varying levels of success. So the clothing line dubbed Ruby's sells underwear and t-shirts in addition to the iconic swimwear bottoms. There we go. Zach, do you know what I love? Parents supporting their queer children. That's what I love to see. All day long. There's a great documentary on HBO Max about trans kids growing up in Kansas City, Missouri. And I I did a lot of reporting on trans violence there for a while. And what was amazing is that there's a father there that takes his daughter bikini shopping. And it's the most heartwarming scene. And it gets to what you're talking about is seeing adult parents who used to be transphobic or homophobic allow their kids to come out, be themselves and support them and create new ways for them to live and thrive. We love to see it. We love all of this. This this is another time where I can say, put your money where your mouth is, because that's also one of these things like you can say, like, I accept you and I love you, which is so wonderful to hear because not everyone gets to hear that. But to also have this like visible, tangible support that is, oh, it's so wonderful. Yes, we, we love Okay, so now we've got an update for anyone who didn't listen to the podcast yesterday. Zach and I are very unhappy about this year's Golden Globe nominees. That's, to put it lightly, very unhappy. (laughs) And well, this morning, the Screen Actors Guild announced their nominees, and much to my relief, are slightly less offensive. Films that were snubbed, like Minari, saw recognition, while the late Chadwick Boseman made SAG history with four nominations. And yes, Michaela Cole was recognized for her work on I May Destroy You. But that good news still doesn't undo the sting and indignity of all those Emily in Paris nominations. And you know, we're not done talking about it. Joining us in our rage today is BuzzFeed writer Ahi Sosifo. She wrote the post, Emily in Paris got multiple Golden Globe nominees and these 16 shows did it. Hi, Ahis. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, all. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Of course. So before we start ranting about everything that was snubbed in this season's Golden Globes, let's talk about the heart of your post. Emily in Paris. Did you, in fact, watch it and enjoy it? So here's the thing. (laughs) I did watch it. I did watch Emily in Paris. I'm not proud to say it. I watched it twice. (laughs) Um, Did I enjoy it? In a way, I did. Do I think it's good? No. I mean, like, it did its purpose. It did its job. It was entertaining. It took my mind off of quarantine. Like, it did... It checked all the boxes except for, like, award-worthy. But I didn't know that was a box that they even put on the application. So to say I was shocked to see that I got not one, but two nominations is an understatement. Okay. Yeah. That's the thing because you weren't expecting it to be an award season front runner. Right. I don't even think Darren star thought it was going to be an award (laughs) nomination front runner. Like I think I, because again, like also like, don't get me wrong. Like there are these prestige shows that like, you know, they come out because that's the point, but also there are shows that just come out because people enjoy watching. And like, I feel like Emily in Paris is one of them. Like, I don't necessarily think that they made it with the intent of like, you know, winning all these awards. I think they made it because they're like, Oh, it's fun. It's escapism. It's like fun fashion. It's like, you know, cute French people. It's, you know, an American in Paris. Like, I think that's what they did and that was their intent. But I guess, you know, the Hollywood foreign press was like, Oh, that's the one. 
<laughs> All right. So, you know, we have SAG Awards today. The nominations announced. We had Golden Globes yesterday. Generally, how are we all feeling about what we're learning through the award season so far? How are you doing? You know, it feels like it's about to be a ride. I think the reaction, especially to the Golden Globes, a lot of people were just like, is this a joke? Like, I think that I honestly saw when I saw Emily Paris getting nominated, I thought it was an Onion article. Like, I thought it was like, oh, everyone watched it. So naturally it got nominated. Lo and behold, that was actually the truth, not like a farce. So I think everyone is just kind of like, so what is the criteria for getting nominated? Because how is it that Emily in Paris got nominated, but I may destroy you didn't get nominated. Who's making these decisions? Like, I just want, I just want to talk. Like, I just want to, you know, face to face, let's see what's up with the Hollywood foreign press. Cause like, we just need to have a conversation about your choosing process. Cause if y'all need help, I'm here. I'm here to guide you. <laughs> no, exactly. And it seems like the biggest sticking point for people is the lack of a nomination for Michaela Cole and I May Destroy You for the Golden Globes. Why have people yes. been so outraged by that? I think people are so outraged because one, Michaela Cole is a force to be reckoned with. Like she is an amazing mind, an amazing creator, an amazing director, an amazing writer, an amazing actress, an amazing everything. But when I made a show, you came out, it was really visceral for a lot of people, me included, because I'm a huge fan of hers and it is semi-autobiographical. Like it was about you know, when I believe it was when she was writing the second season of Chewing Gum, which is one of my favorite shows, she was drugged and raped and she, you know, took a break, obviously, like totally like that's her process, how she, you know, survives that awful experience, that awful assault. And then she came out with this and this was like, you know, a different tone from her past content, it was a lot more real. It was a lot more like nitty gritty. It was a lot more like you have to sit with this discomfort. I mean, I'm not going to be honest. The show did destroy me. And <laughs> I feel like we're all watching, even though her name in the show is Arabella, I feel like we're all watching Michaela work through what happened to her and what was done to her and how she survived that experience in this beautiful harrowing series that was just so gut-wrenching and so powerful and like no matter who you are you were able to experience that with her and then for that to be snubbed for a girl who is like hashtag baguettes on the Eiffel Tower like it almost feels like a slap in the face it's like what do you consider important especially you know Emily in Paris which was like one of the whitest shows I've ever seen the white. And then you have, like, it is literally like, you think Darren Starr would have learned from Sex of the City? Apparently not. <laughs> and then I May Destroy You, which is all like this beautiful, rich cast of like, you know, it's, you know, young black Africans in, you know, London in the UK. And it's just like a show that should be quote unquote niche resonated with so many people. And then you have Emily in Paris, which is quote unquote kind of supposed to be universal. Like you're, she's supposed to be this American in Paris. And then everyone was just like, this is the least relatable girl possible. So it's just, I, yeah, I don't know what their point is. I don't know the point they were trying to get across giving that nomination mm. to Emily in Paris. So, you know, Cole did receive a SAG nomination, which is something, but what does it say that we saw such a difference between the two rounds of nominees? 
I, I mean, honestly, like a lot, especially like a lot of the discourse I saw on Twitter, a lot of people are like just truly questioning the point and no offense relevancy of the Hollywood and foreign press and the Golden Globes because I mean, every other award show has like their specifics. It's like Emmys is for television, SAG is like Screen Actors Guild. So it's like, you know, especially the SAG Awards, it's from your peers. Like it is like if you're in SAG, you are choosing the people who should be nominated, which, you know, if I were in like, you know, that industry, like not just as like a writer, but like as someone who participates, I would find it more of an honor to be nominated for a SAG award, because that means that all of my peers agreed that I did an amazing performance, even perhaps over them. Whereas, you know, the Hollywood foreign press who decides for the golden globes, I'm like, who are they? Like, what do they do? And it's like, they do film, they do television, they do comedy. And it's like, it's also random as to like, what is in each category? Like, it just seems like a catch all. It's like that kid in school who like, but actually and then they just didn't read the book or anything like they're not prepared, but they just want to talk because they feel like they have something to contribute to the conversation. See, I mean, you're, you, you ain't lying here, girl. You ain't lying. <laughs> Thank All you. Right. I'm just, I'm just, you know, saying what needs to be said just telling the truth as we say all right so we'll be right back to talk about all the other programs that he says should have been nominated stay tuned Fit. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. The NFL Podcast Network is your home for all things football. Do you love hearing analysis around the league with a touch of mirth? Or maybe you enjoy breaking down X's and O's in the college scouting scene. Do you breathe, sleep, and eat fantasy football? Perhaps you love the funny headlines that emerge each week. What if you want in-depth news coverage with reporters? Or what if you want to know exactly how each team got its name? Well, you're in luck because the NFL Podcast Network has a show for everybody. Our vast network has the NFL's best talent bringing you right into the action each week. There's always room to add more football into your podcast rotation, and our vast group of shows will surely keep you up to date with everything you need to know surrounding the National Football League. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The NFL is back, and the NFL app has you covered. So get ready for football all season long and just tap into the NFL app. NFL, baby, let's make it happen. Just tap in to watch your local and primetime games all season, now through Super Bowl 56. For the end zone, touchdown! Get up-to-the-minute news, videos, highlights, stats, and more on all your favorite teams and rookies to watch. Welcome to the NFL! Download to your mobile device today at nfl.com slash mobile or in your app store. Certain restrictions and data rates may apply. 
Welcome back. We're talking with Aethys Osifo about those insane Golden Globe snubs. Let's talk about what else we all would have liked to see nominated instead of Emily in Paris, which I must say, I know that you tried to give Darren Starr some credit by learning from Sex and the City, but Darren did not learn with Younger. That's still white as hell, too. So I, <laughs> I have no more hope for Darren Starr. But let's talk about some other shows outside that universe. <sighs> okay, yeah. So one of the shows you mentioned was Euphoria. Yeah. Again, like Zendaya got the... Emmy nomination, which I, not to my own horn, I predicted back <laughs> in the season finale. I tweeted, give this girl her Emmy nomination right now. And look, they did. They listened to me, put me on the Emmy board. Like clearly I'm making the right decisions. <laughs> but again, like similar with I May Destroy You, Euphoria is like, again, it's about this girl struggling with addiction in high school and also like, you know, coming to terms with her sexuality and like all these experiences that you think you wouldn't relate to. And yet somehow you deeply empathize with her, even though like you get angry with her because you're like, girl, stop making these decisions. Right. But that's what's so wild about this is yes. that it didn't get any Golden Globe nominations, which is wild because Zendaya literally won an Emmy for it. So, yeah, that is it's very confusing. It's almost as if like the Hollywood foreign press was just like plug their ears and they're like, we're not going to see what anyone's doing. We're going to pave our own path based off of, you know, what's top 10 on Netflix. And that's just kind of how they came up with their nominations, which, I mean, that's an indicator of what people are watching. But then also in that same breath, where are the nominations for Bridgerton? Because it's still in the top 10. It's like, I don't know what point you're trying to prove nominating Emily in Paris, because if you're trying to nominate like a fun, like kitschy show... There are other shows like that that are yeah. way better. Well, let's talk about one of them. You know, Pin15 is one that comes to mind. We talk about exactly. fun, shows that are young. So why was that snubbed? Because it seemed like it was ripe for award season. I truly don't know. It's like there's this also this weird stigma against comedy and making people feel uncomfortable and like, you know, really digging into the root of you know, a truth of someone, whether that be their adolescence or, you know, something they survived or something that they're still battling. To me, all these similarities are just like, oh, like you just don't like being uncomfortable. Like, yeah, even though Pen15 is funny, I cringe a lot. Like it is very awkward to watch, but also I'm like, that's all of us when we were that age. So to me, it just seems like the Golden Globes were like, oh, we don't want to feel any level of discomfort yeah, and the the show that comes to mind for me is Lovecraft Country, which was, you know, a complicated show in terms of, like, did the narrative stick the whole time? Or I have a lot of notes on, like, story editing there. Yeah. But it was transgressive. It was radical. What it was trying to do is worth celebrating. And Journey totally. Smollett was, you know, incredible, incredible. Icon. So is this a good example of, like, the, these people just don't want to be uncomfortable? Because I'm sure it made them uncomfortable, and it does seem like they're veering away from this. I mean, it made me uncomfortable, too. That show was scary as heck. I tried. I did my best. I mean, I watched the episodes like through closed eyes, but like I listened and <laughs> yeah, like it was, it was uncomfortable for sure, but also like it was great and it was important. And it's just like, and this isn't just this award season. I feel like every Golden Globe season, it's just kind of like, you know, you're just like Jazz and Masters. You're just like, again, like it's almost <laughs> as if like I don't even care about the Golden Globe noms because at this point, they're kind of a joke. It's just like, there's just so much. 
let's be real. The only reason we're watching the Golden Globes is when uh, Amy and Tina or hosting because we just wanted yeah. to watch a comedy set. I'm pretty yep. sure that's why we want the Golden Globes. I that's why the Golden Globes always have to get a really great host because I'm only <laughs> watching to laugh at it. Well, on that note, Ahes, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, y'all. Now I'm all riled. Now I'm gonna probably go rewatch Euphoria to see what good content is. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it for today. Be sure to join us tomorrow. And remember, the theme of today's episode is putting your money where your mouth is. So this is us putting everyone on blast. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily. 